everyone. Welcome to Define the Relationship podcast, a podcast where we explore the relationship we have with the Bible and ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, Darlene Enstick. And I'm the other host, Ted Enstick. And as you can tell from our names, we belong together. I just defined the relationship. All right, welcome to episode two, where we actually get into the meat of Pete Enz's book, How the Bible Actually Works. And today we're going to um, get into chapter one of the book. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I just I wanted, wanted to say that um, we would very much encourage you to read the book, How the Bible Actually Works. We're going to be going chapter by chapter, but if you haven't done that, um, we're going to be doing little summaries each time, um, talking about the main content of each chapter, and then we're going to interact with it. So uh, just because you haven't read the book doesn't mean that this podcast isn't for you, but we want to use Pete Enns as a bit of a guide for exploring some of um, what our relationship with the Bible looks like. So... And it's a really accessible book. Yeah, yeah I, this is one of the things I really like about Pete Enns is, um, for one thing, he's he's uh, he's quite a playful, sarcastic writer, and so a you lot of his that. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's always making self-deprecating jokes about himself and uh, dealing with popular culture, and um, it's kind of he makes things very accessible. Even though, um, just to introduce Pete Enns, Pete Enns is, um, he's a professor of biblical studies at Eastern University in Pennsylvania, and he's written a bunch of books, um, most notably, he's the author of The Sin of Certainty, The Bible Tells Me So, which are both books that we've uh, explored in the past and connected to at, at Seeds. And before that, a more of an academic book called Inspiration and Incarnation. And, um, but that's one of the things I've really liked about, about Peter Enns is he's uh, an academic professor, but he's been very, very um, passionate about bringing these ideas to regular people. And in fact, I should also say that he's the host of a, a very, very good podcast called The Bi Bible for Normal People. And um, you get to see his personality in that context and uh, explores lots of um, issues and relationships to the Bible on there that uh, people might find. I mean, but you want to come here first for the podcast, and then you want to go listen to that stuff later. So let's let's get started in uh, in in this book in chapter one. Um, do you want to just give us a summary of of chapter one? It's called the Bible's True Purpose. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to summarize a few of the main points of this chapter, and uh, Darlene's probably going to break in and ask questions in the middle of this and say, explain that or say a bit more about that. But the main question that um, Pete Enns wants to wrestle with in this book is, how does an ancient, distant, and odd book, i.e. the Bible, work for people who look to it today for spiritual guidance? Now, just to summarize a little bit about some of the books that came before this, and you could see them as a bit of a, a lead-up to this book. In the, the first book he wrote, um, 
for normal people um, called The Bible Tells Me So. He dealt with the, the reality that we often think of the Bible as a rule book or an owner's manual. And so that whole book was about explaining um, that that was really a misguided way of thinking about the Bible, that the Bible is much more complicated and complex than that. And if we go to the Bible thinking that we're going to kind of have direction, um, like an o- reading an owner's manual to put something together, that we are going to be very um, you know, disappointed, confused, and we might not understand the purpose of the Bible. In his second book, The Sin of Certainty, he gets a bit more into the idea that um, we live, uh, at least in in a religious time, where a lot of people feel like uh, strong faith is correlated to feeling certain about correct beliefs. And in that book, he wanted to challenge people to think about that. Strong faith actually um, is is not a place where there isn't doubt and uncertainty and questions and mystery, but that actually, um, if we really want to wrestle with our faith, that we're going to deal with some things that we're just not going to be able to come to grips with in a certain sort of way. So those books were were really good to get us into to the, the purpose of this book, which is how does the Bible actually work? I'd say the, the big takeaway um, leading into this book is that the Bible is often seen as a problematic book, that it's got all kinds of problems. There's confusions. There's It seems like it's saying more than one thing at times. And some people have decided that, well, the best way to deal with those problems is to sort of kind of wallpaper over it and pretend that they're not there. And... Um, kind of come to an idea that, well, it's all meant to fit together. So if it's, if it's not all fitting together, then it's because we're just, we don't have enough faith or we, we haven't trusted enough in it. And Enz's perspective is that actually the problems that we encounter when, the re- when reading the Bible aren't really problems of the Bible itself, but they're actually problems that we've created ourselves when we've approached the Bible in a misguided way i.e. the Bible tells me so book that we approach the Bible as a rule book or as an owner's manual, or that we come to the Bible thinking that everything is going to be certain and correct and true and kind of um, all fitting together when um, these things actually aren't the proper way to approach the Bible. So I don't know if you want to you talk about this whole idea about that. Our problems with the Bible, I think that's a really important idea that the Bible isn't a problem, but the way we approach the Bible gets us into problematic areas. So, yeah, you, you talk about how, um, the, a big takeaway in the book, but for sure introducing it in the first chapter is how, um, the things that we consider problems in the Bible are, are really are not problems. Um, do you want to say a bit more about that? Because I think part of that is around um, how strongly it's been fed to us or communicated to us that that the Bible is clear. We you hear that all the time. You know, it's like it's clear. And and Pete brings these three words like ambiguous ancient and diverse. And 
you know, those words, particularly ambiguous, uh, seems very, you know, contrary to, you know, the clarity around the Bible. And so if, if, if it's really not clear, isn't that a problem? Yeah. So this is, I think, one of the things that ENDS really wants to get at in this book. And I think it's uh, a good, um, it represents his way of approaching the Bible and how we find meaningful spiritual guidance from the Bible is, is that we need to read the Bible for what it is, Mm -hmm. not for some sort of outside idea about what it's meant to be like a rule book or as an owner's manual or sort of a list of steps about how to live the perfect spiritual life. And so I think um, in this particular chapter, Enns wants to introduce to us some three characteristics of the Bible that he believes are often suppressed by people who teach on the Bible. Yeah. And those three ideas are that the Bible, like you mentioned, is ancient, ambiguous, and diverse. So let's, let's, do you want to go through those each separately? Yeah. And I think it just needs to be said before we get into the specific kind of um, characteristics is that it's ends his contention that when we embrace these three characteristics about the Bible, it actually helps chart a new and spiritually refreshing course for interacting with the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so rather than the Bible becoming a confusing mess to us, the Bible begins to be a part of a journey, a quest that we can go on in our faith. And then we start to find significant new meaning from our interactions with the Bible. And so I think this is such a, to me, it's such an important understanding about how to approach the Bible is that often things that we believe are, um, things that make the Bible inaccessible to us or irrelevant to us is not the Bible's fault, but actually that we've been given an improper understanding of how to come to the Bible. And so, so yeah, let's look at those, those three things and maybe we want to stop after each one. The, so the so first one, one, one of the, f- yeah, go ahead. Let, let me just jump in here and say that, um, um, Anne's talks in reference to the ancient, um, the Bible being ancient, that we need to respect the distance between where we are and the fact that this um, book or books that we've been given in the Bible are 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 not um, current. They're not. They're not. Um, what's the word I'm looking yeah, for? Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, not unlike this book that came out recently and talks about. Um, things in the culture um, that people living at this time would be aware of. Um, the Bible is not like like that. And so, what does it mean to respect that? Respect the distance. Yeah. So, I, I mean, maybe some of us have heard this. It's a bit of a cliche that we've been taught that the Bible is a personal love letter to each one of us, mm. and um, part of that teaching is to invite us into an intimate relationship with God through the Bible and to view the Bible as being something that can be relevant to us right now. But Which that is true, right? Of, pardon me? Which is... Yeah, so there, there's something about that that's... I think there's a truth there. But um, 
Enns makes the point that that sometimes sometimes obscures how old the Bible really is. Um, so, um, for example, um, we will read things in the Bible, a story um, from which is actually four thousand years old, comes from a time four thousand years ago, and we'll be describing things in a certain way, using language that actually means something completely different to us in the 21st century than it than that meant 4000 years ago. And so if we collapse our time with the time of the Bible and think that they're closer together than they really are, we might come away with wrong ideas about what's going on. And now some people might think, well, if it's such an ancient Bible, you know, it's so old, like, is it even relevant anymore? Like, um, give me something more current to deal with. And, um, and, you know, makes a point that that's not really a problem. In fact, it actually shows us that we need to ponder God in a new way and make our faith relevant to where we are right now. And so as an ancient book, it has much to offer us, but it only can offer us that if we are aware of the fact and conscious of the fact that the Bible is actually an old book. And it's uh, not only an old book, but it's been written over a long period of time, like over about a thousand years of time. And it comes to us many thousands of years later. And so um, it's just a recognition that there is some distance there that needs to be bridged when we come to it. And, that's not necessarily a problem. It's just a reality. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about ambiguous. Yeah. So this is probably one that is maybe more obvious to us, that the Bible is ambiguous. Ambiguous simply means it's not very clear. And as you mentioned before, Darlene, um, you know, we're, how often have you heard a statement made that starts with these four words? The Bible clearly says, yes, many, and many, uh, times. many, many times. <laughs> and we've probably uttered those words ourselves when we've been in a debate or in a conversation about a particular issue that the Bible clearly says something about this. And the reality is that this is a laughable statement because there is much in the Bible that is not said clearly. In fact, there's, um, there's basic contradictions in the Bible. There are... Um, things that we learn and anybody who's reading carefully and looking at what's being said in other parts of the Bible realize that, well, there's two different things being said here about the same thing. And sometimes within, I don't, I don't know if it's in this chapter, but like just he explores how I think it is in the book of Proverbs where, you know, even within a few verses, the complete opposite, you know, words are spoken. This is wisdom. And then a couple of verses later, and the opposite is wisdom. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of laughable at times that um, what is being given as wisdom are two opposite things. Right. And again, I think, you know, Anne's continues to make the, the, the point that these, this is not a problem. These contradictions are not, are not problems. And that's just refreshing to kind of, think about that. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's his basic point about ambiguous is that we should stop being fed up 
with the ambiguity of the Bible and actually step back and ask a larger question is, is, and ask why, right? Why these, why these differences? Why, what's going on here? And if we take more of a curious sort of perspective rather than, Hmm, well, I was promised that the Bible would have all the answers for life and faith. Um, there's, there's something confusing here, but if we could step back and say, Oh, there's something larger going on here. Um, the fact that wisdom might be one thing in one situation and doing the exact opposite in another situation is not really something that is that confusing to us because we all know what it's like to relate to people that are different than each other. And we treat people differently because we realize, you know, maybe a direct sort of approach for one person is very effective, but for another person, we have to kind of come in a bit on the back door or, um, you know, be a little bit more subtle. And so we shouldn't be surprised by this. And the Bible in a way is coming to us in a way that is, seems reasonable to the way things work. It's not, um, it's not always that clear. Does that, um, does that truth kind of free you in a way? Like, uh, how does that impact you? Like, um, does it kind of give more space to, to, um, explore? Like, does that do that in you or do, do, do you have something in you that sort of still wants, wishes that it could be kind of clear? Yeah, I think I think it's natural for humans to be frustrated when they're dealing with a complicated situation in their life, when there's not a very certain direction that they can follow. That's a, it's it makes sense for us to be frustrated by that, but at the same time, it's kind of refreshing to recognize that well, things aren't always that easy; they aren't that simple. Um, I mentioned in our last episode about how, for me, my own personal faith was enlivened when I began to study theology and scripture and starting to understand some of this ambiguity and some of the fact that it was, you know, the ancient ambiguity, diverse parts that we're talking about, that this somehow made it more rich and more textured and more had more personality to it than if it was simply, well, this is what it says. You just need to do it. You just need to do this. And, um, and I think for people who see the ambiguities of the Bible to be told that, well, you just need to do this, or you just need to do that. It's really disrespectful. It Mm -hmm. just, um, it doesn't take, people seriously it doesn't take the bible seriously and sometimes people will say well you you know you're not taking the bible seriously enough if you're not just you know the bible says now you do it and it's kind of like i feel that's laughable that to take something serious means to put it under the microscope and look at it and ask questions and ask things like what's really going on here this seems to be this but is there more going on that feels like there's something this sounds more like real life. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the the diverse aspect. So yeah. the Bible is ancient, it's ambiguous, and it's diverse. Yeah, and so I think by div- what 
ends means here by diverse is that the Bible does not speak with a single voice. And um, it's been an understanding of the Orthodox Christian tradition for 2,000 years that the Bible is the word of God, that this is God's divine word to God's people. But that being said, this isn't kind of spoken in the same voice. Um, you know, why is that true? Well, it's true because there were multiple writers who wrote the Bible from multiple different times, from different places, for different purposes. And so even as simple as looking at what's going on in the Gospel of Matthew, which, which is, was written to tell the story of who Jesus was, and comparing that to the book of Psalms, which was a worship book, a book of prayers, a book of, of worship orders. And you can't read the book of Psalms in the same way as you read the Gospel of Matthew. They are written by different people from different times and for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and then if you want to get a little bit further into it, well, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each one is telling the story of Jesus, and yet there's very, very many differences in how the story gets told. There's a different emphasis, there's a different perspective taken, and so all these things um, remind us that the Bible is diverse, and so we need to understand that diversity. Um, yeah. And of, of course, um, the book is going to get into these things more deeply, um, but he's teasing us with these three words and, and, and then um, talking about how the invitation to embrace the ancient, ambiguous, diverse nature of the Bible is to lead us on uh, a pretty exciting path, I think, towards wisdom and that that is that's the invitation to explore wisdom the bible is like uh enticing us and kind of nudging us towards spiritual maturity that that isn't about you know nailing down steps or rules but about a journey towards um towards wisdom which i think journey towards wisdom, which I think, um, you know, that was very, oh, sorry. I got, I That's got okay. lost. Um, oh, I want it. Okay. Journey towards wisdom, which is, um, kind of exciting, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he says some interesting things about, about what wisdom is. It, and it reminds me of a, of a conversation that we were a part of recently with, with uh, some friends. And, and it was all around this question of, of uh, well, you know, you know, for people like us, we've almost, you've almost lived 50 years of life, birthday coming up in a few weeks, and uh, I've lived past 50 years of life. And sometimes we treat wisdom as being, um, well, you know, we've learned some things. We've made some mistakes in our life, and we learned that, you know, like just this last week, you know, I'm 52 years old, and I finally learned an effective way of washing our windows so that they would be clean. And um, 
My mom would be proud. Yeah, your mom would be very <laughs> proud. And um, and like, there's part of me that feels like, okay, I finally, um, I've unlocked a mystery <laughs> that I've been um, working at. And, um, you know, so, I, but, but I found this great way. And if you know, if you, if you want to know how to wash your windows in a, in an effective, easy way, you know, talk to me about it. That's another podcast, the, uh, you know, window washing podcast. But anyway, um, so there's a feeling like, okay, now I've learned, I have some wisdom about this practice and now I want to share it. And uh, we have children, and our children have windows where they live, and they have dirty windows. And, you know, I'm going to give you the wisdom about how to to wash your windows. And that's how we think about wisdom. That wisdom is something that gets imparted from people who've learned it to other people. And rather than everybody having to go through a journey of figuring out how to wash windows, I'm just going to give you the wisdom. Well, yeah, you would have like five steps. This is what you do. It's clear. <laughs> I do have five steps or maybe even four steps or however many steps, but I have steps. Um, and so Enz makes this point. He brings up this metaphor and it's, I think it's a really good metaphor. He says, on the quest for wisdom in relationship to the Bible... We need to recognize that God is not a helicopter parent. Now, helicopter parents are something that many of us are aware of. There are parents that are so hovering over their children so that they, they don't allow their children to make mistakes. They don't want children to make mistakes. They want to impart the wisdom that they have about life directly to their children so that their children don't have the negative experiences that okay. they've had. But the idea is... That we think that God is, we sometimes think God is a helicopter parent and that the Bible is a way of letting us in to wisdom in a way that doesn't require struggle or wrestle or curiosity or all those kinds of things. And The right uh, answer is to be found and that if we would just kind of listen, this parent is right there and would give us the actual steps exactly. Right. And ENDS is wanting us to know, and this is going to be a theme that goes throughout this book, is that um, the Bible is a sacred, ancient text given to us for our spiritual guidance. But it is not coming from a parent who is a helicopter parent, but is more like the type of parent who wants to guide us in a quest, in a journey to come to the wisdom that is available to us. And it's more of a process than simply a download that we receive from God. And I think so in some ways that makes the process more challenging and more of a wrestle, but at the same time, it's something that's more alive and real and, you know, is more like the way we experience life. We have to try to figure things out and we do that in community with other people and other people's questions and curiosities. They all come together as we start to learn this, learn what it means to find spiritual guidance from the Bible. And says, um, I really, I really liked this a lot. Rule book answers deliver certitude and finality, but wisdom embraces mystery. Rule book answers are distant and passive, but wisdom is intimate and learned through experience. There's 
he has more or less rule book answers, you know, are designed to end the journey, but wisdom shapes us so that we journey with courage and peace. Um, so these are just examples of, um, ways that we are invited to pursue, pursue wisdom and that God is journeying with us in this, in this way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I just, I think maybe like, as we're coming to the close of this podcast, that I just want to really highlight in, in the second last paragraph of the chapter, he definitively says something that I think is so important. The Bible is not the problem. The Bible is great, not because it's an answer book, but precisely because it isn't. Not because it's protectively hovering over us, but because it most definitely doesn't. The Bible will make that clear to us if we let it. Hmm. So there's a clarity that we're being invited into, but it's maybe not the clarity that we've been led to believe should come from the Bible. Well, thanks for helping lead us into some insights in chapter one. And uh, we look forward to getting into chapter two, which is called The Bible Doesn't Really Tell Us What to Do. And that's a good thing. Nobody likes to be told what to do. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, joining us this week. And um, as we start to get into the rhythm of uh, this podcast, we look forward to um, discussing more of this. And I think it would be great just to throw out there that if people are, you know, coming to this um, relationship, defining this relationship with the Bible and have questions about that relationship and things that they're struggling with, it would be great if you could somehow get that to us and um, you could simply respond to us through the website, seedschurch.ca, and um, we'd love to take your questions. All right. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs>